This is the Church Security Made Simple podcast, giving leaders practical solutions to help make your community safer. I'm your host, Simon Osmo, and I'm on a mission to keep his churches safe. Now, it's been over 10 years since the Lord called me into security ministry, and as a national church safety practitioner supporting churches across the country, I'll share my expertise to give you simple solutions to keep your church safe. So if you're ready to make your church security simple, come join me and let's dive into this week's episode as we learn how to plan, prepare and protect our ministries. Welcome to another episode of the Church Security Made It Simple podcast. I'm so glad that you are joining me today and I have a really interesting topic for you today. We are going to be talking about the non-profit security grant program, commonly known as the NSGP, which is uh, released by FEMA once a year around sort of February, March, April time. And you can apply for up to $150,000 per location as a non-profit to enhance your church safety and security. And I'm going to give you the same insight that I give to churches here in Minnesota that have helped them achieve to get over six hundred thousand dollars in FEMA grants. So we're going to be talking about the NSGP, the Nonprofit Security Grant Program, in today's episode of the Church Security Made Simple podcast. So stay tuned for that. I want to talk a little bit though about my new book which has just been released, which is called 10 Powerful Strategies for Conflict De-Escalation. Now I live here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the home of the race and reconciliation the home of riots during the 2020 George Floyd murder. Now, I realize that not everyone understands or knows how to diffuse conflict. So uh, I've taken 10 strategies from my time working in residential care for adults with learning disabilities, uh, my time in law enforcement, and my uh, knowledge and wisdom, you might say, as a father and a husband to put everything into one book. And I've got 10 powerful strategies that will help you de-escalate conflict. So uh, the link to the book is going to be in the show notes. I would love it if you would pick up a copy and let me know what you think. It's a long time in the making, but there's 10 powerful strategies that are going to really help you around conflict de-escalation and who right now doesn't need more wisdom around conflict de-escalation. So I'm going to talk now about the NSGP program, the Non-Profit Security Grant Program. I'm going to start with a brief history and talk about the concept. Now, here is the interesting thing. It's a federal program issued at the state level to combat terrorism. And I'm going to come back to that in a few moments because sometimes people say, well, Simon, we're not a terrorist target or we don't feel the threat of terrorism. But I'm going to come back to that in a few moments. And the program first launched in around 2004 and it was to increase the emergency preparedness of nonprofits to increase emergency preparedness of nonprofits, and it's released in around 2004. And now, since that time, I believe it's around 599 million. I actually just looked this morning, and uh, Biden has agreed in principle over the next few years to release a further three to four hundred million dollars. So there is a lot of funds available from the government, from FEMA, to enhance security. Now, some people here a federal grant and they can be a little bit apprehensive about it. But I've been in and around this grant program now, I'd say for three to four years. 
Um, and I haven't found any catch other than the fact that they know as houses of worship, we are an open door environment, soft target. Uh, it is my belief working in with this grant for so long that it is their genuine interest is to help nonprofits stay safe and secure because if they do that, is them mitigating their risk in the response um, post later. So they're, they're trying to help us get ahead of the game as opposed to deal with expenses post um, these mass incidents. And so I mentioned earlier about some people say, well, Simon, we are not the, we don't have the sort of a day-to-day threat of terrorism. Well, the definition of terrorism has really changed. The ideology has changed. From the days when we had uh, Bin Laden, um, you know, blowing up the, the, the Twin Towers and, and what sort of um, personal devastation that was. Um, in January of this year, British male, actually sort of British Muslim extremists, travelled from the UK to New York, drove from New York to Texas, where he held four people hostage at a synagogue in Texas for around 10 hours before the FBI um, stormed the place and neutralised the threat. Now, Biden called that an act of terrorism. So I really want you to think in your mind, this is wider now than terrorism what we've known before. The ideology has changed, the mindset of change. These can be lone individuals intent on trying to change some type of political political motivation or, or belief. So really think wider when we think of terrorism. Think of the sort of race and reconciliation um, which has been going on caused by the George Floyd murder here in Minneapolis. A lot of those race riots, you could start pushing that under the definition of a new form of terrorism. So really think wider as to how you can apply for this grant. So let's talk a little bit then about well, who can apply. Well, you do have to be a 501c3 nonprofit. Now, most churches are, I've come across like one or two randomly that aren't nonprofits, but most houses of worship are 501c3 nonprofit because you get a tax exemption. So that's one of the main reasons uh, why, why churches are into that bucket, bucket. And now you deem to be high risk of terrorism. Remember, terrorism, the definition has changed, it's a bit looser. The ideology that someone comes to your establishment to change a political motivation based on their honest health beliefs. I really think wider, but it has to be deemed the risk of terrorism. And the government actually put the grant into two different areas. They call what we call urban areas. So they have FEMA designated, I believe it's sort of 20 or 30 cities, but they designated as being areas that have a high threat level. So those areas, if you're in there, you automatically qualify for $150,000 you can apply for. And Minneapolis, Minnesota, where I am, is in there. Now, if you look at the FEMA list, and I'm going to give you a website where you can go and see where you sit on the list. If by any chance you're not in those 20 to 30 designated areas by FEMA as urban areas that have a high threat level, if you are not there, there is also what they call a suburban rural classification, which really encompasses everyone else. And there you can apply for $50,000 towards um, security enhancements. I'm going to talk in a few moments about what you can use these funds for. So just to clarify there, FEMA have designated 20 to 30 cities that have high threat urban areas where you can apply for $150,000 to enhance your security. And if you're not in one of those cities, you can apply under the suburban rural classification for $50,000. And it is possible 
it is possible that you could fall within the urban areas, apply for $150,000 per location, and then still apply under suburban rural to get $200,000 combined. So really keep that in mind. Now let's talk a little bit about what you can apply for. So I haven't mentioned that it's up to $150,000 per location. So if you are a nonprofit that has four or five different locations, it's possible, it's possible for you to do an application at each location seeking up to $150,000. What you need to do at the point of application is tell them what you need to spend the money on. I'm going to talk about a security risk assessment in a few moments, but at the point of application, you do need to tell them what you intend to spend the money on. So let's cover for a moment, what are some of those things that you can use this grant money for? Well, it can be for physical security, enhancing equipment, um, bollards, security cameras, access control, window film, fencing, lighting, access control, all those different things that you think of in the physical security realm you can use this these funding for. But again, you must tell them at a point of application what you're going to use the funds for. Uh, it can be used for things like communications, radios. A lot of churches come to me and say, Simon, what's your recommendation for radios? Or if they already have radios, they'll come and say that actually in parts of our church building, our radios are ineffective. What would you recommend? You can use this funding to enhance your radio systems. Mass notifications, I'm a big fan of how do you tell people within your congregation and within your community that an incident has happened through mass notification because incidents happen quickly and messages spread very rapidly via social media. So you can use this to purchase mass notification systems, panic alarms, whatever it looks like. Another category you can use the funds for is in planning and exercises. So if you want, if you don't have emergency operations plan and a lot of houses of worship will come to me and say, Simon, can you help build our plan for us? We can actually use the non-profit security grant program funding to pay for a consultant like me to either write your uh, emergency operation plan or we can use some of those fundings for planning and exercise. If you say, Simon, we have an emergency operations plan uh, we've done some informal testing, but we would like to do a large-scale exercise, invite law enforcement, invite city fire, invite city planners, whatever it's going to look like. We need food. We need all this preparation. You can use some of those funds towards planning and exercises. And again, the more prepared you are, the safer you're going to be and the less likelihood of a mass disaster occurring at your house of worship this is the reason why this program exists. We're trying to get ahead of the game. And then finally, one of the categories that they added around uh, two years ago, I believe, was contracts and security personnel. So the $150,000 can be used to hire contract security or hire someone to come and work at your church as your security manager, as your safety leader. However, here's one caveat to that is that when the money runs out, when the $150,000 runs out, you are then left with an employee, you are left with a part-time member of the team, you've really got to demonstrate to them well, how are you going to afford for this position post the grant funding. So they did add contract security personnel 
But when those funds run out, you've really got to demonstrate to them what's your long-term plan, what is that going to look like. So one of the things that I mentioned earlier is that part of non-profit security grant program requirements is that you've had a security risk assessment within the last three years. That's really crucial. You've had a risk assessment within the last three years. And here is the reason why is that the risk assessment is really the basis of your application. Let me say that again. The risk assessment is the basis of your application, and here's why. In that risk assessment, they would have identified all your vulnerabilities, and they would have provided you mitigation strategies to either mitigate or manage that risk. So as an example, they, your risk assessment might have said that you need more card access or you need more technology so you can lock your building down quickly against the threat of an active shooter. So they've identified vulnerability and they provided you with a mitigation strategy. You need card access. You need a way to lock down your building. You will take that uh, identified vulnerability along with the mitigation strategy and you will almost cut and paste that into your application to say, here is what the consultant said. Here was the mitigation strategy. And as a result of that, we need $60,000 to enhance our card access or to bring in technology to be able to shut down our building. So the risk assessment is their really sort of cross-check, their fact-check, if you like, to make sure that you are going to be using the money in the right areas. So a risk assessment has to be less than three years old. If you've got one which is older than three years, that's okay. You can go back to the person who wrote it, or you can add some information in there, add your new vulnerabilities, but everything you apply for must be within inside a security risk assessment. That is their fact check. And so the other thing that I would say about this program, it is an amazing program to help nonprofits such as you, but it is for new security measures. So if you have five cameras in a room, and then a consultant said to you that you need new cameras, you need seven cameras, you can't go to FEMA and say, we want to replace these five cameras with new cameras because it's for new security measures. However, you could go to FEMA and say, we've got five cameras in there already. A consultant said that we need seven in these two new locations. You could then ask for funding for those two new cameras, but you cannot ask for funding for existing security measures. Another thing about the program is that it is actually a reimbursement program. And again, I've found no issues here. As long as you say, this was our vulnerability, this was the mitigation strategy, here's what we intend to do, you will always be reimbursed for your funds. If the consultant says, uh, you need a way to lock down your building, that's the vulnerability against an active shooter, we recommend that you have this technology which is going to lock down the building from your phone, and then you get the, the approval and then you say, actually, we're going to do a large-scale exercise. We're going to test our merge operations plan. You're going to run into troubles when you go for reimbursement because you are not spent the money where you said you were going to. So remember, this is a reimbursement program. You must spend the funds onto where you've told them during the application the funds are going to go. And then the next thing I would say is FEMA has a term called supplanting, which means that they dislike you trying to apply for things that are already in place. So I touched on that earlier, and the name is really supplanting. It cannot be used for things that are already in place. That is a big, big red flag for FEMA during the application process. Now, so how do you apply 
And what are some of the conditions that you may come across? Well, you have to apply for your state administrative agency known as the SSA. Now, each state works differently, but it's a federal program issued at the state level. Now, if you've ever tried to do anything um, at a federal level, you know it can be pretty slow and it can be difficult. But I would say really find who this person is, build a relationship with them and ask about this program. So I'm going to post the link in the show notes as to where you find your state administrative agency, but it is a federal program issued at the state level. So uh, that's some. Um, I'll post that link for you below so you know where to find who your representative. I really encourage you to reach out to them. So the notice of funding opportunity, which is called the NOFO, normally gets released around February, March each year. So this is where the um, FEMA will announce how much money is in the is in the wider bucket. Then they'll determine those urban areas and then suburban areas. Then they'll work out how much each state gets. Then your state will release its application process. So really knowing your state administrative agency, knowing when the timeline for them for the application, generally sort of February, March, April closes down around June. That'll really help you be ahead of the game. Remember, one of the key conditions is that you need to have had a security risk assessment within the last three years. Really, really crucial to think about that. So now it's time to think of your applications. I've mentioned this a few times. If this grant money might be of interest to you, now is the time, if you don't, is to prepare a security risk assessment. But if you already have one, you might want to go to it and refresh and say, do I have all the vulnerabilities and all the mitigation strategies within that report that we might want to seek funding for using this nonprofit security grant program? So it's a great time if you don't have a risk assessment to try and figure out how you're going to get one. And if you have one, you want to make sure that it's updated to have all your vulnerabilities because you can only apply for those things that are within your risk assessment, identify it as a vulnerability with the mitigation strategy. I'd always really encourage you to just reach out to your state administrative agency representative. And again, I'm going to post the link for this in the show notes. Reach out to them, say you intend to apply, ask them about the process and just start to build that relationship. Because again, if you've worked with anyone in the state or federal level, it can be really challenging to to try and get information out of them. It could also be a great time to think about finding a grant writer. Who is going to write this application for you? Like all grants today's world, it's all done online. But finding someone who is skilled in storytelling and can gather all information, a great time to figure out, well, who is going to write this grant for us? You reach out to your community and your church, more than likely you'll find someone who's done a grant before. And it's also a great time to think about, well, well, actually, what is it that we're going to apply for? Let's start thinking about the top two or three vulnerabilities that we had. It could be one vulnerability surrounding cameras, which, you know, it's going to be expensive, 70, 80, $90,000. It could be that you're going to just go for one thing. But it's a great time to also think about what is that one or two or top three things really that we really need that's going to help us improve our safety. And the last thing, that I would say about thinking of application is now you've got your vulnerabilities. Now you're thinking that we might look at this getting some grant funding. I would say go out and get two or three proposals for different things within your, which are going to sort of form the basic application. But here's a key tip. Big, big red flag is never say to a vendor, 
or a uh, security integrator, but you intend to use grant money? Because I can tell you, I know people who have. And what did I say you can apply for? $150,000 per location. And I found a lot of these proposals come in $149,999 or $150,000 dead on the spot. Uh, where I come from, we call that a red flag to FEMA. So don't tell the vendor how you intend to pay. Just hey, say, hey, we need new card access. We need new lighting. We need new security cameras. We need technology to lock the building down. We need mass notification. Can you talk to us? Can you let us know what this might cost? So don't tell a vendor that you intend to use this money because I found that it does inflate the price a little bit. Now, here is some good news. I want to leave you some good news. On the 2021 data, 44% of those people that applied were successful. So 44% of nonprofits that went for this grant program were successful. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that isn't, that isn't bad odds. So it's close to 50-50% chance you will have to be successful. So really think about this program. It is a great way to get some free money to enhance your security. So before we close out this uh, podcast episode, I just want to remind you, if you need additional help, if this has sparked your interest on the Nonprofit Security Grant Program, I have an entire webinar on how to apply and what FEMA are looking for. It's around an hour and a half long. I'll take you step by step. So I'm going to post that link within the show notes. I'd really encourage you to go and watch that webinar if this has sparked your interest to apply. The second thing I'd say is if you're thinking, well, Simon, we don't have a security risk assessment. Our risk assessment is really old. Well, my organization, Kingswood Security Consulting, that is what we specialize in, is conducting security risk assessments vulnerability assessments, security audits, whatever name you choose to go by, that is what we specialize in. So if we can help you and come alongside you on your journey to help you be successful in applying for this funds, I would love to do that. So I hope this has helped you in some way learning about the Nonprofit Security Grant Program. But for now, you stay safe, have a blessed day, and I shall see you in the next episode. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Church Security Made Simple podcast. If you're looking for training on how to keep you and your church community safe, or if you're interested in working with me on my five-week group coaching program, please head over to worshipsecurity.org. And if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, don't forget to rate and review wherever you are listening. Now, I'll be back with you on the next episode, but until then, stay safe, have a blessed day, and remember, always plan, prepare, and protect your ministry.